Hi, and welcome to the Silverline Podcast, an audio version pulled from the video stream we do a couple of times a week. My name is Roland Mann, and I'm the head honcho at Silverline, where we have a great time making fun comics that we think you'll enjoy. This episode is Things We Learned From Comics, Part 2. It originally aired August 30, 2020. And you're live. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Silver Sunday. Silverline, Silver Sunday. Going to be a, a fun night tonight. We've got a big crew with us, so we're going to talk about some fun things. Here's my list of topics that we're going to uh, cover over the next several weeks. I'm not really getting help from any of these bozos here, so uh, I, I'm throwing the gauntlet down. You guys, if you don't like what we're talking about, you, you need to send me some stuff to put on this list. I think all of this has come from me or the Wednesday guys. And I refuse to I refuse to accept that the Wednesday guys come up with better topics than what we can come up with. So I'm but you said all my down. stuff is obscene. Well, okay, <laughs> that's yours. But I, I'm talking I'm talking for the rest of the people. So okay, but let's get inter- everybody introduced here before we dive in. I am Roland. I am the writer of Cat and Mouse and the upcoming Trumps and the Chief Wrangler. Uh, of everything you see here. If something's wrong, it's probably my fault. If something goes right, it's probably the responsibility of everybody else here. But you know what? It's comics. I have a lot of fun. I don't sleep a lot, but that's okay because I, I'd i rather be doing what I love, work myself to death that way than to you know be whining and moaning and all that other kind of stuff. So, so now we'll just uh, start with Murderer's Row. First on my Murderer's Row is John. John, tell everybody who you are. I am the resident Viking and Prince Voltan of the group. Thank you. I'm glad you said Voltan. <laughs> I would have been upset if you didn't. All right. So I won't say it next week. Um, <laughs> I am just an anchor on Friar Rush. Peter nods in approval. Yes. No, yes. <laughs> There's no egos here. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you guys better be careful. You remember who controls the credits here in the, in the books, the written credits. So, you know, you never know what's going to show up in the books. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever else Roland will, needs me to do or if he needs me to do anything else. But uh, other than that, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm just a big guy who inks a bunch of pencils. Just an ink slapper. We like slinger. ink slappers. Slinger, sorry. Slinger, ink yeah. slinger. Ink Pardon slinger. Me. Just try to keep my beard out of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. And thank you, John. Next up on Murderer's Row, here's another ink slinger and other stuff. Barb, tell everybody who you are. Uh, my name is Barb Kjellberg, and I am an ink slinger for over 30 years. I'm currently inking Cat and Mouse, and I'm the co-creator, co-writer. I mean, I am the creator, co-writer, Anchor and colorist on Divinity, and I am the colorist on Sirens, which is what I'm working on right now. Cool. And um, I'm the CFO of Silverline, so right. I I'm constantly bugging Roland for invoices and bills. Hey, Roland, where's this? What's this four dollars here? I don't know. What does it look like? <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. So yeah, we, we've been uh, swapping lots of lots of emails, but she keeps me straight. We need that. Uh, and it's good for, for us, right? It's good for transparency, and I like it quite a bit. Next up is Curtis. Hi, I'm Curtis Fujita. I'm the uh, creative director at Silverline, the editor on Calyx, and I'm also 
from artists uh, working complex video games and animation. So that's me. Sweet. And and Curtis is also working on his own thing. That we're still we're still a little bit away from it, but uh, but keep your eyes posted. We're going to see some of it here in the not too distant future. <laughs> Next up is Delia. Delia, who are you? Hi. I'm Delia. I work on Marauders and the Rejects, and I'm doing colors for those with, and I'll introduce Becca since yep. I'm talking. Becca, who is inking the Rejects and also coloring the Marauders with me. So. Cool. Are you sure Becca's not inking uh, Rejects? <laughs> <laughs> we can do that since she's uh, since she's muted. Next up on Murders Row is Pete. Pete. Oh, ahoy, ahoy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm Pete. Um, I'm just a penciler. We cover this. <laughs> I don't know what else to say now. You're yeah, I, I pencil. I pencil stuff. That's it. Yeah, there's nothing, and it looks, and it nothing looks, more glamorous about it than looks that. Dandy too. That's a oh. British word, isn't it? Dandy. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Let's we'll, we'll just say yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Yeah, Pete's like, yeah. What do you mean? You're you're from, sure. you're from, you're from Mississippi. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we got Aaron. Aaron, tell everybody who you are. I am the uh, penciler on Fire Rush, which number one just came out. And right now I'm doing my own comic and trying to quickly finish it, uh, which is on webtoons and in my store. And uh, Goblin <laughs> is is it. And then I have other stuff to do. Hopefully after that, hopefully stuff for Silverline, other stuff, things planned. I just, I'm on page five of my book, so I'm going, I'm going fast. No, I'm not getting it done, so it'll get done quicker. Yeah. Yeah, and we've definitely talked with Aaron, for those of you watching. We want to, we want to try to uh, keep him and uh, uh, hang on to him here so that once we're, once he's done with Godlings, uh, we'll find something else for him to do. That is the plan. Uh, that yes. is the plan. All right, so let me look through my that. So, and um, uh, joining us for the first time ever, making his internet appearance, the the hermit who has no social media, give it up for Wubba Fett, everyone. Wubba. Yeah. Tell everybody um, who you are. I'm Wubba, and I am the counselor for upcoming issues of Cat Mouse. That's it. Yeah. Well, but we're, we're glad that you joined us. Thank you so much. We're looking forward to seeing all the cool stuff. And I got to tell you, everybody, I've seen, I want to say five pages. Uh, you skipped two and three. I've seen. Yeah, I skipped a double page spread because yeah. the thing just intimidates me right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is about the, the double page spreads that intimidates you guys. Jack Kirby did them. Come on now. Well, uh, my whole thing with the double page spread is like when I was, you know, when you're learning. Well, at the time when I was learning, like through the nineties and stuff, everybody was doing. Them. Yeah, yeah. And now nobody does them, so you retrain yourself not to do them anymore. Yeah, and you know, and and my uh, the people who Kablam who prints our books, they they kind of uh, they kind of chew me a little bit about the double page spreads because they're like, yeah, nobody does double page spreads anymore, and I'm like, yeah, but I don't care about anybody else. I'm not really worried about what you know. My whole life, I was never that I was never that person that worried about. Oh look, he's got an alligator on his shirt. I need an alligator on my shirt. That wasn't me, right? That was never me. And so, I like them. I love Jack Kirby's. I think I sent you a link too, didn't I? What about yeah. Jack Kirby? Yeah, that was an amazing piece. Aren't they beautiful? I mean, those are fantastic. You just you just scroll. I could just scroll through them and spend 
I mean, yeah, yeah, when you sent me that link, that's what I was doing. I was just sitting there looking through all of them. <laughs> and, and my favorites are, are the ones from uh, from Black Panther and from uh, Captain America. Those are just those. Are, and they're all good. But those are just so loud and in your face and such energy. That there, I, there was uh, some really crazy, fantastic four ones. with The Silver Surfer. That was yeah. Insane. <laughs> yeah. I sent them to YouTube, uh, didn't I, Pete? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you send him any George Prez's infamous double page spreads? Those things that make you cry. No, <laughs> no, I did not. No. Uh, so, so what's happened, Aaron? And I, I'll dig up the link. What's happened is someone has taken Jack Kirby's double page spreads and made a Flickr photo book out of it. So you can oh, literally yeah. just go there and just click next, 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 next. next oh, that's just, cool. Oh, it is so cool. Uh, I'll dig up the link. I'll dig up the link for y'all, uh, and, and maybe even put it in the description here. Yeah, I'd um, love to see that. I didn't even yeah, know that oh, existed. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know who's done it, and and I you know, but it literally just it's alphabetical order. It's got a bunch of commandy in it. It's got Omega Man, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, it's it's very 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 good stuff. I love it, and it's not unusual that, that I include the link in uh, the plots when I say, "Hey, we're going to do a double page spread." Here's Jack Kirby. Go be inspired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, behind the scenes. So if you see me stop talking sometimes, or if you see me get confused, that's probably because my son is talking in my ear. Behind the scenes, you don't see him. Is Brett? He's the one navigating all of our our technical production stuff. You'll never hear his voice, but he sometimes talks in my ear just to agitate me, really, and to throw me off. <laughs> see, the other thing is, everyone else can hear him, but you can't. So it just it makes me look nuts. So that's our crew. Thomas Lermani said, what up? Have a great show. Have a great how. <laughs> and then he says show. Bobby Weskovich says, hello, big dummy. What's up, screw loose? Glad to, glad you had uh, you join us. Uh, Eric Dotson says, hey, Silverline, I see a new face. Hey, Wubba. And then he says, Inker's rule. More Tommy, more Tommy. Tommy loves doubles. They just don't translate to digital readers very well. And I get that. I understand that. But, oh well. Mm-hmm. So, today we are talking about things I learned from comics. Now, this can be, this is no, this can be kind of anything. It can be, you know, specifically, uh, I learned how to screw in a light bulb. I learned, you know, my morals or whatever. But this is just, what did you learn from comics? I mean, we've all obviously been greatly inspired by them or we wouldn't be on this stream at 9 p.m on a sunday night talking about making them right so what are some of the things that you learned uh from comics and obviously we're not going to get becca's opinion so we're going to speak for her she obviously didn't learn pronunciation uh <laughs> from comics <laughs> she's gonna smack me next time i know she's <laughs> she gonna start writing stuff on the screen <laughs> yeah, yeah she's gonna uh, she she hasn't seen Tommy with it. <laughs> she's she's high. Okay, so who wants to jump in first? Anybody? Uh, I'm the old geezer here, so I will guess I'll jump in first. I've been doing this a long time, thirty plus years, and I took a break, went back to what I did before comics, which was accounting, which is how I ended up as a CFO for Silverline. And when I did that, I realized that there is a real difference between what a career is and what a job is. Mm. It was very, very apparent to me that accounting to me was just a job. 
I mean, it was a way to make money. Mm. Comics is my career. It's my passion. I, when I started out, I was so driven. I didn't realize that you could have such a passion for something that was, that would drive you to stay up for 24 hours at a stretch, just doing something. It was, it was eye opening to have that much passion, that much drive to do something. Um, I'd never experienced something like that in my life until I got bitten by the bug. Um, and I was so driven to succeed that I would, I would sit there and practice for hours and hours and hours. And, and I wouldn't even realize that the time would, would go by. That's, mm. that's doing something that you love. That was, that's a career. And, 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 you know, it's funny that I, I like that you said that you, you sit in there to spend, you know, so much time and you don't even notice the time passes by. Um, you know, isn't, isn't young love much like that as well? Yes. I mean, it, right. I mean, when, when you're young and in love and you spend time, <laughs> you spend time, you're not, you're not, you're not young love anymore, Brett. You're, 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 you've got three years behind you, but yeah, yeah still young. <laughs> uh but that's that's what happens right i mean the time seems to to just fly by you're like holy crap we've been spending you know six hours to, together already i i think i think there's that that whole love and passion thing when do you think you when do you think you you made that realization barb well i mean i i realized right off the bat that i uh, the the drive and the passion but it wasn't until i went on my hiatus in the like 2001 and went back to accounting that I realized how much of a difference there was between just doing a job to make money and doing something that you love because you know I had I basically had to force myself to go to work every day because you know it was my job and I had to make yeah. money and I missed doing comics and it, it it really slammed home to me the difference between doing something that you love with passion and just doing something to get by yeah. Um, it once I didn't have that in my life, the disparity was just—it it, it was just right in, there in front of your face, and it—it <laughs> it, it made me realize that if everybody would just have a just chance to do what they absolutely love, the world would be a lot better place. <laughs> yeah, it would be right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and if only two, the other thing is if we could figure out how to, uh, or I, I shouldn't say we, I should more specifically say me, if I, I could figure out how to actually make money from it without having to go to Marvel and DC. And this is the reason a lot of people go to Marvel and DC because they want to draw comics or they want to write comics and they want to make a living. So they one of the really the only places you can go to make a living is to go and, to Marvel. And I was very fortunate to be able to do that for over 12 years. Mm. I made a good living until, yeah. you know, the, the industry fell apart. Yeah. And so I thought, well, there was I a really lot of money in comics in the nineties. Oh, there was a lot of money in, in comics. <laughs> I, I'm retired now, which is one of the reasons <laughs> that I'm retired is because we invested in the nineties. Yeah. But I forgot what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I spent a good 12 years doing that full time and I took it for granted. Yeah. You know, and and yes, I had the drive and the passion, which is something that, that um, I'd never experienced before. I got into it, but once it was gone, then it really, really came home to me how much 
influence that can have on your life, on your personality, mm. on your ability to get up every morning, um, on the drive that you use to to be creative. It's just it's just fantastic. Yeah. That's what, what else? I <laughs> what else? Who else learned anything from comics? I learned Aaron, well. Aaron, Aaron, wait, wait till Carter starts to speak. Oh, that's right, Curtis. Are you about to talk? <laughs> so, anyways, long story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> long story. No, I, I don't know. Okay, so how many people here have actually read Matsumini Shiro's Apple Seed? I mentioned this before, but have you guys ever read it or seen it? Know what it is? Not. I, yeah, I know I'm what gonna... it is, but I've never read it. Yep. So that was probably one of the second comics I got into, and it's about a uh, basically a SWAT team in the future in this utopia. This it's cyborg guy named Brios. And his partner Dunan, who's the point lady, he's the uh, she's the, basically the point man or front point woman, and he's the <laughs> rear. And so I basically started, which is weird. So when I read it, he does a lot of research on military and SWAT tactics, and actually, there's actual complete data books written and all his stuff he puts in the comic that is research. So I got to learn actual military techniques. He made up his own gun company, would take notes on actual ballistics and weapons or whatever. Wow, cool. And uh, so that's how I got into all of that. And started learning, like, you know, different calibers, how certain things would work, and different, you know, um, there was uh, there was one scene really quick to show you kind of what he's talking about. Um, these two guys are chasing this guy, and they come across a dead body. And when they pull the dead body up, they actually hear a click of a landmine behind the body. And, like, we need to disarm it. There was another in the future. In this future, it's, it's, it's Cyberpunk, so it's a cyborg, and he's actually a demolitions expert who actually they meet up with. And they're like, we need to defuse this body. I mean, defuse this, sorry, defuse the body. I mean, defuse landmines when you get out of here. And the guy, the other, the demolition expert looks at the uh, landmine and then takes the landmine and chucks it across the room. And like, what, you know, what are you doing? You could have blown us up. He's <laughs> like, that mine was never meant to blow you up. That mine was meant to basically deter you and hold you up so that they can get away. It was a dummy. And so he would put all these actual tactics that people would do. Yeah. Made it so much interest, and it kind of ruined action movies for me a lot. Is that how I would actually like see and like this when he started doing all the tattoo stuff in the comics? It made it so much more interesting, and like just and he would put stuff in that I, I just never knew about. He did one where this lady was shooting this other guy around the corner, and as she was, she came around and was shooting this guy at a door. And before she popped around the corner, she put two bullets in the side of the wall. And I was like, it was one panel. He just, he drew it. He didn't explain why. And in the data book, basically I found that's a tactic to keep the other guy from popping around the corner and shooting you. By putting two bullets in, in like the side of the wall where he's going to come out, it makes the other guy won't come out. So you can mm. duck behind the door. So he mm. would do stuff like that all, all the time. So he became, he uh, made me very interested in actual tactic and tactical play. And uh, he's the only comic I've seen do it yet. And he did wow. it really well. <laughs> so wow. that's what I learned from him. <laughs> Now, do you do you do you utilize that when you go play uh, uh, Company of Heroes or, or? You know, sometimes I actually do think about some of the stuff that I found in there. Strangely enough, yeah, really, yeah, some of the stuff that he taught. Now, whether this is, and they, but he would he's just one of these guys that would research tons of stuff and then write. And he'd write hand notes in the margins of the panels oh, about wow. like he would do stuff like, yeah, I know this is like a 30 caliber and we're going to breach the wall, but you got it. He would talk about like, if he did something wrong, he would explain like the caliber. In, in the right. comic itself. In the comic itself. So he'd write wow. little hand notes in the panel in the to margins? explain like, oh, the, okay. yeah. he really loved that. So it was really fun. Like huh. I said, it got me, I'm not, I don't own guns or shoot guns, but it got me completely interested in the physics of guns and how they work. His comic and stuff, what he would do. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, he would uh, do all sorts of stuff like that. If you ever interested in any of that stuff, he, he only did four volumes. You can find them through Dark Horse or on I think online. Uh, hmm. Well worth it. Probably my favorite comic still today. Wow. Yeah, I've heard a lot about Appleseed, but I, I've I've never read it. He did stuff like that in uh, Ghost Shell too. Yeah, same thing. He did a lot of tactical stuff like that. Yeah. Cassisi uh, says, uh, "Hey all," um, and he Boy. says he's doing well, staying busy, constantly trying to learn, um, which is excellent. I think we should all be doing that, right? Um, and Mighty Trevisor says, um, "I love this really dynamic character design." Um, so uh, I'm guessing he's talking about um, what Becca is inking there. So let him know that, that those pencils were done by C. Michael Lining, and Becca is inking for us. Um, so uh, who else? Curtis, you just jumping at the bit? <laughs> <laughs> I'll chime in. I'll chime in. No, um, first of all, it, to say it's cool because as soon as you as soon as you actually go talk about their favorite comic books, everybody you can just tell. Is talking a little faster, leaning a little bit more. Yes, right. And, that's, and that just means, you know, that's that's our thing, you know. It is. Um, yeah. So I mean, for comic books, it's like you know, there's so many things I learn. Um, but the funniest thing is, is and you know, even though we often think of it as keeping this useful, comics helped me grow up. It helped me mm-hmm. go into adulthood. I mean, it taught me vocabulary. I mean, so many words and things like that. I. I I still remember using lines from the Dark Knight Returns, even though I had no context of it. Like if two of my <laughs> friends were arguing, I'd use that line where, 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 where Bruce Wayne says to Clark Kent, he goes, you know, I'd become a public liability and you're a joke. I had no idea what public liability, but it, I just remember that, you know, my students were like, why am I a public liability? Um, now, so, now, when you see, uh, do you still use that today? So if you see stu- uh, two students fighting, do you go, Martha? <laughs> oh, <wrong one. laughs> well, sorry sorry go ahead curtis yeah yeah no no i mean i mean for me it's um it's definitely vocabulary but also i, mean, I agree morale, with that moral yeah. morals morals um code of ethics you know and even like ideas that would i wouldn't encounter as a child but i would go into adult i mean if you're reading daredevil like i was when i was like six or seven Right, you're like, what is going on here? What is the the context of that, right? And so there's a certain maturity level that I feel like I actually got from comic books, where the common uh, thought process would be to keep you immature. But I, I learned a lot, a lot. Yeah. Of things, you know? yeah. Um, yeah. I think I, I learned it. I, learned I have a to lot. second the vocabulary. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I pulled. I pulled out the uh, with great power comes great responsibility line a few times for various mm. reasons yeah one, one of them was on my son when he had his baby <laughs> oh gosh great power comes great responsibility that's right okay. well and, and i have to put too fine a point on it you know like my you know I, I was raised christian my mom would take me to church and you know i would i would be uh drawing on the uh donation envelopes drawing my console characters and stuff like that you know so I, I wouldn't necessarily be enthralled by the moral lessons of the pastor standing up there you know, preaching, but a lot of the same moral, moral context and moral fiber I would get from a Stan Lee story or, mm. you know, Chris Claremont, I mean, X-Men, wow, yeah. stuff, you know, and it was just kind of a lot of those values that we attribute to religions or myths, like, the, you know, superheroes and conflicts are our modern myths, and, 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 you know, you can gain a lot, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good information. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I think the uh, Aaron, you, you've been wanting to say something. Go ahead. 
Oh, no, I totally forgot. I was going to say something. <laughs> Probably just completely rude and insulting to Curtis, but he so, took it all away. So that's okay. We're, we're going to turn the tables on Aaron tonight. Anytime Aaron starts to speak, yeah, I think uh, you know, Barb, Barb mentioned the great, great, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. And I, I was a huge uh, Spider Man fan. He was, you know, he was my favorite uh, superhero up until I, you know, discovered the vision. Um, and and that was one of the things that that kind of always sunk in with me is that you know you know Peter had this this huge responsibility and one of the things that I don't like about the and I don't want to turn this into a bashing modern comics thing but one of one of the things I don't like about what they've done with Spider Man is how everybody knows his identity and I think that was part of what made Spider Man at Peter Parker because this was this this secret that he had to keep from from everybody and so he had this huge weight right he had this he had this great power right but he couldn't tell anybody because it risked having his family and having the people he loves uh put it risked putting them in danger and i i think that for me that accentuated the whole um great power great responsibility thing because he had to he had to keep it to himself Yes, he had the responsibility because he had the power to serve others. Um, but, you know, a lot of times you, you've all probably heard it. Um, I, I think they say, you know, character is what you do when nobody's watching. You know, it's not what you do when people are watching. And I think that's what resonated with me with, with Peter Parker is that no one knew who he was. Right. No one knew he was Spider-Man. And so he went out and did all these awesome things. And he couldn't tell anybody, you know, and and of course, I, I again, I think that that that's a lot of that's lost now that he has all everybody knows his secret identity. And he did it and, for the sake of good, not for the glory. Yes. Right. And and I, and I think that for, for me, as one who was, uh, you know, in, in junior high and in high school, that resonated with me quite a bit because uh, you talk about those morals, uh, Curtis, that you see them in play. And, and yes, I know he's a fictional character. But you see them put into play with Peter Parker and Spider Man. Definitely, that that idea of sacrifice is so steep in those comic books, and like that's I, I remember um, X Men was like huge for me, and, and they yeah. had that one miniseries, the, the Fall of the Mutants, where the X Men like sacrifice themselves. Yeah, that's that's heavy stuff for a kid to read, you know. It is, but 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 so deep, and that idea we live in this age of you know Instagram, um, you know you know social media, you know, all that kind of stuff where you get instant credit for everything that you say. You don't even uh. have to do it. You just say it, right? And here were these stories about characters who would actually press that down, who wouldn't get credit for it. It's a completely different mm. dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I grew up on on the X Men. That was probably my, that was probably where I learned a lot of morals and stuff from X Men. But the the rest of my comics, obviously, not when I was getting to like Sin City, is probably not a good place. Uh, Ninja Turtles, the old uh, the old like you know Peter Laird stuff, that was cool stuff. But I'm not really sure. I mean, I learned Metallica was cool from that. Um, yeah, that you know, X Men. I think was the only comic I read that had morals. But I was always into all the underground stuff that was like, yeah. And I still, it, my mom never picked up on when I read Sin City because I think I was going, I was in high school. She was like, oh, just buy what comics you rent, but she wasn't connecting what that was about. But I love that series. I still have them all. <laughs> Has anybody else had? No one else has learned anything. <laughs> Just well, a lot of bad stuff from Lobo. 
know. <laughs> Bite me, fanboy. I know. <laughs> oh, what? Wait, no, I, I can't say that. Lobo's favorite phrase. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, Roland, didn't you learn how to read from comics? Did uh yes, I actually I actually did. Well, I didn't. I don't. I don't know that I learned how to read, but I I I certainly advanced. I was I had zero interest in reading as a kid. You know, I, I grew up in Mississippi. Uh, I would when I, when school was over, I went home, got off the bus, and I wanted to just go outside and play. You know, I wanted to throw dirt clods at the squirrels. I wanted to uh, throw dirt. We lived right beside when I was in, in elementary school. We lived right beside uh, a pasture. And so there were always cows on the other side. And I would often get out and, you know, chase the cows, throw dirt clods at them. I, I just, I wanted to be outside. I did not want to be inside. And so because of that, the, I, you know, I fell, uh, fell behind my classmates in, in reading because I just had zero interest in it. It's like reading. Who wants to read? No way. Right. And um, then he found the comic book about dirt clods and it was all over. Well, I, I, you know, I, my mom bought me. She, she, I was with her. I used to, one of the things I always did with my mom was I always went grocery shopping with her. And I did that. I did that really from the time I was young until the, until I was in high school. I remember, you know, I remember in high school pushing the, you know, a junior or senior pushing her buggy, right. As she just walked along, put stuff in the buggy. And I remember when I was young, one of the things that, you know, you know how kids are, we up near the checkout this is when you could buy comic books everywhere right up near the checkout mm-hmm. line there was this comic book yelling at me it had this colorful character on there i'm like whoa that looks cool picked it up started flipping through it and you know how kids are mom 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 buy me this buy me this buy me this i want this i want this and my mom and her brilliance said i'll buy it for you on one condition i said oh anything mom anything she said you read it and tell me what you read Oh, of course, mom. Of course. Ah, absolutely. Yeah. Just buy it for me. I want it. (laughs) And she bought it and I went home and and I read it and I gobbled it up. It had cat. It was the Avengers. It had Captain America in it. It had these characters I had never seen before. And so, yeah, I, I, I became, uh, I need, I became addicted at that very moment. And I had read some comics before, you know, in school, we'd swap some around. I remember reading a, uh, Fantastic Four before, but it not just didn't really call to me for some reason. Uh, I do remember taking it and folding it in half, and folding it in half again, and sticking it into my back pocket. <laughs> so, but yeah, comic books because I, I started didn't begging mom for for comic books regularly, and they they certainly they took me from they took me from bottom of my class in reading level, and in the span of a year, I went to the top of my class in reading level. Mm. And it's all thanks to comics. Yeah. That really did change your life. It really did. It really changed my life. And, and, and now you, you know, now you teach writing. Yeah, now I teach writing. That's right. It's almost like full circle. Yeah, you know, I I, I sometimes wonder what my how my life might have been different if my mom hadn't uh, bought the comic for me. If she hadn't have been one seeking, you know, looking for ways to try to get me because my mom's an avid reader. She is. My mom is so fast. She can read a novel in a day. I, I'm talking, she's a, I am not that fast. I, I, I cannot read that fast, but she can devour them. And, 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 you know, she was just looking for ways to, to get me to, to, to want to read because she read to me a lot as a kid. And, you know, so yeah, thing about it is once I started reading comics, I never stopped from that point forward, all the way through high school into college 
you know, into, you know, my career, even when I quote unquote left comics in, in you know, 2001, I didn't stop reading them. I still read a lot of independent comics and I've read, of course, a lot of my, my back issues, a lot of the classic things, but I never really stopped. I don't know if it was comics or just having a, a normal sort of upbringing, but so I, I sort of read Spider-Man and, and X-Men and, and I watched the X-Men cartoons and all those cartoons when they came out in the, in the 90s. And that just sort of that teaches you the accepting of people, isn't it? Of different different people, and yeah, the great power. I think the great power comes great responsibility is probably the biggest takeaway mm. from comics. Except that if your parents are murdered, you should go <laughs> on a a vigilante spree for the rest of your life. Um, that aside, you know, great power, great responsibility, and being included and, and uh, just accepting of, of different people. Yeah, I think yeah, that's the X Men, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think yeah, yeah, and those are good. I think those are fantastic lessons to be uh, had. Uh, yeah, and and Superman, you sort of, it's that um, if you're you 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 lift up people who are down, mm. and you protect the, the people get a Superman complex, don't they? They just end up kind of trying to save everybody. Yeah. You definitely get that. Yeah, it teaches you morals. It does. That's, that's, yeah. Uh, and I think that's a good thing, don't you think? Oh, yeah. yeah I, saw some, I saw something today. Um, Batman where, what? Alternatively with the Batman comics, though, taught me to want to be a villain. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> They're the cool ones in those comics. <laughs> is that because you, you wanted to be punched by Batman? I mean... <laughs> Well, that's not on my bucket list until like five seconds ago. <laughs> but it is now. <laughs> but other than that, like, I mean, drawing, I guess. I mean, if I'm being like straight up logical, you know, what it actually taught me, you know, looking at different art styles. And that was actually kind of what inspired me to draw when I was a kid, too. So. Mm. So, so was there was there uh, any certain book or uh, or books that made you say this is the kind of thing that I want to do? Covers, actually, um, I really love Jo Chun's art, um, and her stuff I saw on the Runaways covers for Marvel uh, back when that first came out. I really fell in love with like her painterly style and everything like that, and simultaneously, like Robbie Rodriguez, who does uh, Spider Gwen, I really love his art, but that's more recent. Right. Um, you know, but no, like as a kid, it was more just like absorbing. I, I was, I'm, I'm terrible at looking at names, like, especially <laughs> as a kid, I'd be like, Oh, I really like this. And so I'd like absorb the style and then not yeah. really process who drew it, which is an artist's worst nightmare growing up. Yeah. Now, as an adult, I'm like, great, cool. But you know, at the same time, if I can inspire a kid and they don't remember my name, fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but, so are you still that way, or, or or do you find that it's changing a little bit? No. Yeah. Now, now I pay attention. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, so if you ask me, like, who was you know your inspiration as like a ten year old, I'd be like, uh, um, you know, I, I have no clue. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I could pull out the books that I have. You know. Yeah. I haven't actually gone back check because they're at home in my parents house so i have no you know i can't i can't check right now now um <laughs> are you are you back in new jersey for school i am but uh okay. well uh i stay at home in my parents house it's, i i live in new jersey but okay i i live 
separate. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. <laughs> well, I knew I knew Q, the Cuber School was there in Jersey, and I, you know, I didn't want to make assumptions that. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that that we don't. When you're younger, you don't uh, know who who the creators are. Because I know when I first started reading, I had no idea. You know, Roy Thomas and Steve Englehart were writing those issues of the Avengers that I loved. It wasn't until it wasn't until it began to mean something to me that I began to realize, oh, there are people making this stuff. You know, and not just the comic book fairies that delivered them to to the Seven Eleven. Right. <laughs> I think. Um... The earliest comics I sort of remember buying were the um, well being bought for me were the Heroes Reborn, the Marvel mm. Heroes Reborn. So when Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld all, all came back to, and I I did take note of the artists because mm. the the art was like whoa, it's amazing. As a kid, this stuff was incredible. So yeah. the, the Jim Lee's and Rob Liefeld's will Protasios. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that, yeah, those are probably the earliest artists that probably influenced me because I remember I remember them, and the the Adam and Andy Cuberts. Yeah. The first comic book I ever got bought was an Incredible Hulk by Adam Cubert. Wow. Yeah, that's the that's the first so, comic book I ever got. My dad ever bought me. Really. That was, uh, I, I didn't know that obviously at the time. I just thought, right. wow, this is amazing. The Hulk and the Wolverine. Yeah. Big yeah, um, big green dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, it wasn't until years later I realized, oh, Adam Cubert drew that. Yeah. Um, Kubris did a really good. Uh, Adam and Andy both did a really. Um, uh, Adam Strange. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really, really good. I yeah. think Salvador Larocca. Mm, yeah. Is oh, yeah. one of my first ones. Cool. And then also Jim Lee. But yeah, Salvador Larocca was. I loved his run on X Men. Right. Uh, That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It has all been there, done that, whatever. <laughs> no, I do. I, do. I take note of artists. I, I, certainly, his his style was very different at the time. His lines were a lot cleaner. I was like, "Oh, that's different." Who's this compared to the Jim Lee crosshatch? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I've always, I'm an artist. So I've always taken note. It's of... funny. I don't. I don't follow many new artists. I, I well, uh, Frank Quietly is one I like. There's a lot of new ones I don't. I kind of followed certain artists when I was into comic book art. And then I kind of stopped. That's when I got in. I would go to the library, and when libraries reopen, I would do this again. And I just get all sorts of random comics and random art because I just want to see how people approach the uh, mm. comic storytelling with different art and different styles. And and you find some really unique things that people have done. Uh, but yeah, um, it's weird. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, so when I look at like Marvel DC superhero stuff, I hardly know who any of the artists are. Yeah. So the new one crop, I don't either. Uh, yeah. With the advent of um, Facebook, I have I found that I really, really enjoy watching artists do videos, just yeah. so I can sit there and study how they're doing different yeah. technique techniques. I love watching Walden Wong do his videos. Oh, yeah, I think I know who he is. Yeah, yeah, I, and there's several other other artists that I will sit there and. and and I'll watch their videos just so I can see how they're doing yeah. things differently. And it just blows my mind how 
he holds his brush like that. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You know? how's, he, how's he even do anything when he's holding his brush like that? Well, the guy that threw me. Yeah, that's gonna say Eric Larson. He when I saw him draw, I'm like, what the? Something like this. This, yeah. I mean, seriously, he's like, he's white knuckling it. I don't know how he does it. He, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen artists hold their their brushes like a pencil and do it like. How are you getting anything? How do you make your lines when you're you're holding it like a pencil? I don't know. Yeah. I don't understand, but they're doing it. They're doing it. Everybody's got their own thing, you know. Well, no, okay, so this is this is kind of funny. This is not exactly what I uh, what I had in mind talking about what you learned from comics, but uh, when you're talking about craft, um, yeah. you know, you you will look at the comics to to kind of pick up craft, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so I study them all. Well, I just yeah. was going to ask you. So, so when you're looking at that, right? When you're looking at comics as far as as craft goes, what do you see, right? What do you, what are you seeing on the page, and and how is it registering in your brain? If that makes sense. I think I used. You know, it's funny. It's when I, when I register, it used to be the the art, uh, very much the style of the art. Later on, I think it was after understanding comics after I read that mm-hmm. that I really started looking at the language of what they're doing. And mm-hmm. I've, I've much more gone that direction as far as what I'm getting out of looking at the art and comics or learning from them. I'm more le- uh, looking to see how they tell a story with the pictures more than like, mm. you know, is that a cool piece of art or whatever? And that's a little, I know a lot of them go like, yeah, but that, you know, that pose and stuff. And and it's helped me come to appreciate a lot of artists that I wouldn't have looked at before. Like, oh, no, I don't, they're not cool enough. But now there's some with like, you know, very simpler art styles that, you know, like bone, just yeah. fantastic yeah. and stuff yeah. that you, you know you wouldn't look, but when you look at a storytelling, it's, it's fantastic. So yeah. I mean, it's just a different what I'm looking for. But I'm always bone looking is one for of those techniques. Yeah, bone is uh, easily one of my uh, top ten recommended books to read. Yeah, if I find just for, something just that... for straight up storytelling, it's fantastic yeah. the way yeah. he does it. Yeah, mm-hmm. if I find some style that I particularly like, I will just I will eyeball every single centimeter mm-hmm. of it to see the if i can figure out the techniques and and if i can't sometimes i know the artist like uh bill reinhold i love the way he does uh rain so mm, yeah so i'm like bill he's a, he's a good friend so I'm like bill how did, you, how did you do the rain in this oh i just took a razor blade i'm like okay yeah. i didn't wouldn't have thought yeah. of that but <laughs> wow yeah I still remember it's funny when I, because I've been inking a long time, probably not as long as Barbara. It's probably funny not. when people ask me, you know, when you mm-hmm. ink with a brush, what's the number one thing you ink with? Then you can't really learn it from comics. They're like, well, you kind of ink with your elbow. You draw with your elbow a little bit. And like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, you draw with your wrist, but when you get the big lines, you got to draw with your wrist locked and yeah. do that. Yeah. And they're like, what? And so, yeah. And that took me a while because studying comics, you don't get that. But like you said, when you watch videos of people actually doing it, you start this okay, yeah. You're drawing, you're locking your wrist or whatever. Yeah, you so. lock your wrist, yeah. I've never seen um, you know, Fr- Frank Miller's Ronin. It's it's just fascinating because you can see that's the moment where he's experimenting with everything that's going to follow him for the rest of his artistic career. Yeah. Going for it. there's panels of Sin City in that. There's panels of like Moebius kind of hyper detail, you know. And then there's callbacks to his uh, Frank Dustbridge's like Daredevil stuff. Mm. And it's just it's such a it's such a cool book because you can see him kind of navigating where he's going to go in the future, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. And Frank Miller's art is an, is a another one where it's 
you either like his art or you, you don't. I appreciate it because it's very simplistic now, considering what like the Dark Knight Returns. But the way he can do storytelling, especially in Sin City, there was a lot of ways he did drew characters and they get mood. He would that's the one comic you want to get like mood in your comic and sort of that storytelling and mood. Sin City is fantastic mm-hmm. for that. And uh, if you look at I, I, Eisner's The Spirit, is like the oh, yeah, yeah. of that. You can totally see where Sin City draws from. A, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, oh, he he doesn't crazy, hide it. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Tommy says, uh, he says he reads a comic a couple times, wants to read the book, and then he goes back and really look, uh, really look at the art and see what he can learn from it. Yeah, one of the artists I've really been enjoying, and I it, like, I'm, and I'm also if I go out and buy a book, I, a lot of times I find myself buying a comic based on an artist if I like it. Sometimes story, mostly art. Frank Cho is another one I mm, really like. Yeah. He's he's a mm-hmm. good storyteller too. He's kind of well rounded. He's it's kind of irritating. He can like do the inking across action and all that, but then oh, I've funny. read some of the stuff he's written. I was like, oh, he's actually a good storyteller too. Damn it! So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a beautiful style as well. I like yeah. it. Yeah, very clean. Uh, yeah. Which I like I've, clean art. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm tending to go more towards that uh, more. And uh, but I still like the, like the detail stuff. Like it's like the stuff Web is doing is is fantastic. Um, but it's just when you see clean stuff, it's just like I get it helps me discern certain like you know facial expressions sometimes. Or whatever. I mean, this time. I'm not, okay. I'm going to put my foot around. I think I love Wubba stuff or whatever, but I've noticed that I used to love that stuff, and now I'm starting because I would never look at clean work. Oh, that's that's simple, it's clean. Then I started yeah. realizing a little bit more why they would do it. Uh, I'm not. I can't. Was it Steve Rude, the guy who did Nexus? Was yeah. he the yes. writer? He was the artist. His stuff is fantastic. Also, looking at He's, that sort of. He, he used to be local here. Was he local? Yeah. Yeah, he's from Madison. Yeah, we um, have a lot of. Local guys in Portland. I remember I went to my local mall years ago, and it was uh, Kurt Buziak was sitting in, in the uh, food court eating. I'm not going to go up and say anything to him because I mean he's just eating. But I was like, hey, isn't that? Oh, it's Kurt Buziak. Oh, cool. Okay, so I, I run into people like that around here sometimes. That's one of the reasons that I chose Alex Sarabia to do Divinity because his style is so beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah, Chris, yeah. I really, I really like his. Yeah, I the, do too. the art in Divinity is well done. Got it. Got a very, very nice, very clean style. Yeah. Uh, John, what about you, man? You look like you're kind of, kind of antsy here to say something. Jump in. Oh, I'm sitting here watching. You're just Wubba. watching. Uh, just looking awesome. <laughs> yeah, Wubba stuff looks great. So oh, beautiful. You know, one of the, one of the things that might be worth uh, worth mentioning, and and this may be a, a completely uh, another topic to cover, but. I wonder if, because you know, we didn't really see a lot of this really detailed uh, West Coast style, busy, busy line, a lot of lines mm-hmm. uh, until, um, I guess, Art Adams and Longshot. You I know, thought it was then, Michael Golden is when we kind of. Well, I think it was. I can say Arthur Adams because he's like the master at cross hatching. Yeah, that guy is nuts with that stuff. Well, I, I mean, it's, it's not to take. I mean, Art, uh, not Art Adams. I mean, Neil Adams has a lot of detail. So yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, but he doesn't have the kind of like just looking at what Wubba's doing here. He doesn't have the kind of thing like that. And 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 so hang on, go with me here. So I wonder if part of the reason that that we didn't have that until really the late eighties or early nineties is because Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, well, it was because, because of That's printing. Uh, yeah. You know, printers, you know, y- y- comics used to be printed on toilet paper, essentially. 
you know, and that stuff it wouldn't pick just, up the lines. No. Yeah. And then, so so if you drew it. the fine lines, they muddied or they just didn't. I mean, I've seen a lot of a lot of really good inks. Tommy probably inked a, a bunch of them for me at the time, you know, England and we print them and the, and the lines just disappear because the technology just really, well, let me rephrase that. The affordable technology for comics just really wasn't there. So you yeah. lost a lot of the fine line details, but as technology has gone along, uh, we can see all of it now, you know, the, yeah. the stuff, the, the stuff that Kablam prints for us, uh, we see everything. I mean, they're, you know, uh, I mean, uh, yes, I'm going to sing their praises because we all, always do. But if you look at those, the, the pages that they print, we see everything now. And I yeah. know there's, there's a lot of other printers that can do the same same thing too. But I wonder if that doesn't have something to to do with what we kind of saw begin to take take shape in the 90s. Just because yeah, the 90s, when they changed paper stock and went right. to computer coloring, the lines just jumped out. I mean, you can see everything. Yeah. And see, we went to that. Uh, you, you guys probably remember there in the, sort of the middle. Okay, so maybe not everybody remembers. Maybe me, me and Barbara remember. And, and those kind of middle 80s, sort of late 80s. Remember, we, remember when they had Mando paper? Remember when that was a, we're, we're going to Mando paper. Uh, and that was supposed to be a step up, right? And then they just kind of, because you just had the regular, the, the regular newsprint. But then there was the Mando, and then there was the something else. And I think I remember Dark Knight Returns was even supposed to be printed on some kind of better paper. And Dark Knight Returns yeah. is what eighty six, right? Yeah. So yeah. so see, it's along that along that period of time that I think we look at and we see all these these fine lines begin to show up in art and notice them. Yeah, and I think also the fact that you're able to keep that that detail because. I'm sure, you know, I wonder if artists in, you know, back then did the detail and then when they gave them the final, it's like, well, it's all gone. And so they're just like, okay, I'm not going to bother. Like, if I'm oh, not going to see it, I'm not going to bother. Oh, listen, but, I know that is 100% true because I can't tell you the number of times I had conversation with inkers that when they got their books, they're like, hey, what happened to my lines? And of course, you know, as the editor, I just got to say, look, I it is what it is, you know? Yeah. So this is this is what we print and, you know, you're doing... Number one, you're doing them bigger, so you know that you're going to lose some of it. Yeah. Uh, when you reduce, and this is something you know, I've talked to uh, Tommy about this some, and Tommy, you might chime up there. Uh, but like, see, just even watching Wubba, and not trying to pick on you Wubba at all, but it's easy when he does it digital, right, to just take those two fingers Curtis was talking about and zoom that stuff right in. Well, then you could just get and put all those tiny little lines in, but when you zoom back out how much of that is is going to be lost in the print you know what i'm saying yeah it's it's definitely getting better i mean um the fact that i'm able to just pencil my comic and color my pencils and Mm. still have my pencils show up is unique then there was a comic called blade of the immortal i read some of it great great all and yeah and pencil yeah and of course technology the old technology would not have been able to do that but um when he did it you know in the good in the book it was yeah it was just amazing yeah curtis has read it it's just one of those things you look at this guy's yeah. art even though it's pencil and it's like that's what made me start to think like was well, it really possible to actually you know do pencil or do different mediums well uh, did you see the... just pencil and ink yeah yeah you know you know we've done like the the first issue of cat and mouse we had a graphite edition did you, see, did you yeah. see that? Yeah, in which we printed the pencils, and it looked great. DC's the, done some of that. They've done the, a block the Batman of Hush. 
Yeah, it was just the pencils. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and one thing I was... Jim Lee. Go ahead, Curtis. One thing I was thinking, too, is that, you know, it's probably like a confluence of different, you know, streams. It's like, you know, one, like you're talking about the technology. But two, international comics were come making their way back to the U.S. So you had the, you know, the Jean Giraud, the the Moebius comics coming in. You had the Lone Wolf and Cub coming from Japan. and, and, And Miller and people like that outright said that's their influence. So I think it was a it was a combination of those styles were just stating overseas and coming back with more of an illustrative quality and the technology that kind of led to that, you know, that surge that we see now. You know? Yeah. That, I mean especially Europeans, they treat when they make a comic, they treat it like making like a book. So they'll take like a year or two to just make it. I think they release it as once. And I mean either comics are like what? They'll like these like perfect bound graphic novels the mm. books uh but they take so long to do and so they look at them as like for neat books and so and i think a lot of them which they treat the authors like they would like okay we'll give you an advance on money and you mm. take all the time you need to make the book as best as possible more like the publishing industry and here there's more of a tighter deadline and over there there's not as much um but yeah it's just a whole different way of approaching uh comics um, you you were talking about going straight from graphite and and doing it that way. Innovation did a bunch of books in the in the 90s where they skipped the inks altogether. They yeah. went they just colored straight over the pencils. So was I wasn't Hero fond Alliance? of the look. Huh? Yeah. Uh, is that Hero Alliance? Uh, there was that there was some of that. There was a uh, Michael Dunkevich from uh, Australia did uh, did several books for them like that. And there was some Hero Alliance. Um, I was looking for them at the time, and I think there was some um, Lost in Space books mm, yeah, that were done like yeah. that. I wasn't a fan because it lost that crisp, clean yeah. feel yeah. that the inks bring to it. Not, and yeah. I'm not saying this because I'm an inker, but right. it, the I thought the the graphite coloring right over the graphite look made it look muddy. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I'm not a fan of it either because I think it loses some of that. Um, what I view as a sort of traditional comic look when you lose those yeah. crisp black lines, you know, it's, it's, it's different. I, one of the reasons I got the idea of doing mine, well, one, it fit kind of the look I was going to, but I got it from uh Disney uh, animated movies. There were mm. these strings of 101 Dalmatians and it was like the rescuers. And if you watch the animations, every few frames, they'll put back in the underdrawings. And so you see these underdrawing lines flicker in and out. And it made, I've never seen anything like it. I'm like, this is a really cool style. So they cleaned it up, but almost left in the underdrawings and the roughness to kind of give it this weird look. And I remember just like, wow, that's, that's really, I've never seen anything like it. I'm like, could you mimic that in a comic? And how well could you do it? And then that was my experiment. So if you look at Gollum, you can still see some of the underdrawing. Just, hmm. But of course, the idea behind mine is I wanted to look like an old tomb, like something you find like an, like an ancient, like you would open this book up like an old tomb. That's why the pages look the way they do. When I did the ink, it was like, well, that's too slick. But when I did the pencil, I'm like, well, that looks like something that would be sketched on like in an old ancient monastery or something. And then the mm-hmm. color. So that's kind of what I was looking for. So it served it more. But yeah, it's an experiment. And I'm always experimenting uh, with comics and stories. Like I think I told you um, I did an Old West uh, kind of comic book that was done in a children's book format that told like more of an adult comic book story just to see if I could. It's done. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I like to experiment with stuff like that. What about John? Did you ever, did you ever think of anything? What'd you learn from comics? What, uh, what, did, what did Voltan learn? That uh, somebody's alive. 
<laughs> Gordon, maybe? Possibly. But then there's, I've heard the Dean guy's name yelled out a few times. Too. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I learned more from um, the creators of comics than I learned from comics in a way. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, stuff, you know, it's like, well, comics and things. Be a decent person. Yeah, I can't really say that I learned that from comics. I had to learn that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be, uh, it's definitely an interesting question because you ask that question of people who are artists and stuff. And I think, like I agree with John, I'm going to be learning more about the art and the writing. But the, the initial question kind of theme is like, what did you learn about life from comics? I'm like, oh. But I wonder if you ask somebody who's not making comics who just likes to read them. You might get completely different answers. Yeah. Well, yeah. like one thing I keep reminding myself as I go through this journey, you know, his, his birthday was only a couple of days ago, Jack Kirby's. Well, mm. he didn't actually yeah. make it until he was forty. Yeah. Yeah. He he was he was in his forties, so it's like I have to keep reminding myself just keep just keep going, keep going. You know, that's so not to get frustrated with it because obviously, I mean. Look at everything he did. A few years, yeah. After yeah. that, and then uh, just the others, just just a lot of the "don't give up" stuff that you know I heard from creators, you know, the Todd McFarlands and the Jim Lees and all them, and they were trying to get into the industry. Of course, it's totally different now. It's like, yeah. all right, I'm gonna try. No. <laughs> everything's yeah. different you can't you can't go talk to folks like you did then <laughs> you can't get critiques like you did then yeah well the one is- thing that's really switched that i learned from john is i remember a few videos coming out that portfolios are not as big of a deal but making a product making a book some sort of product to sell becomes your portfolio mm-hmm. in a way I, i've heard of that a lot like if you really want to make it, just start making comics and stuff to sell, and then that will help you break some well, more of the chain. Yeah, the biggest change from, from back when I started was anybody can do a comic these days, just crowdfunded. That, there was yeah. no such thing as crowdfunding. Like, yeah. you know, independent comics, are, you can just make your own thing these days. If it's, yeah. if, and if it's good, it'll sell. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. If you, uh, of course, a lot of that has to do too if you've got the stick to right? Yeah. Um, because I, I think there's a lot of it. I know that I see this a lot at our school. You know, I teach at an entertainment school, which uh, you know everyone they want to make it. They want to make movies and games. You know, all kind of stuff like that. And there's there's some of it's the idea of I'm going to make this thing and it's going to become a blah. Who everybody's going to buy and I'm going to make a million dollars. Well, okay, you know maybe, but probably not. And so the thing that I always say is like, look, you know, make the one and and make it as best, the best that you possibly can, and then make another one and make it better than the one that you made before. And the idea is that, you know, if you can get these people who you made the first one for to come along to the second one, then there's going to be more that get the second one because the people who, who got the first one are going to tell, hey, look, you need to go get the second one. So it's, it's this kind of slow growth that I, I think you have to do. You have to. 
unless you've got a bazillion dollars to spend on, you know, advertising to put it in front of yeah. everybody's face everywhere, you've got to rely on that. You've got to rely on on word of mouth for satisfied customers to tell someone else so that they'll go. And, and that's sometimes hard to do because like you want to do, oh, well, the first one didn't do what I think, so I'm just going to give up. Right. Right? But no, you can't do that. Well, and, hard. And I mean, I think it's my... Ability is like, ability only takes you so far, too. It's yeah. like, you know, you actually, and I think, um, I think, you know, our Cuba graduates are mentioning, too, like, they were actually taught at school. It's like, you have to be a nice person. You have to have people... <laughs> along the ride for you you know yeah you can be you can be the best artist but you're only going to go so far you know and you better be really damn good the better it's like a a perfect ratio the more of a jerk like you have to be three to four better better of an artist and if if you're real you know what i mean you better be amazing (laughs) somebody (laughs) told me something many 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 years ago which i've always kept in mind never step on somebody on your way up because they may be your editor one day yeah, on your way down. <laughs> yes, on right. your way yeah. down. <laughs> yep, on your way down. Yeah, that it's uh, yeah, it's funny because you know when he was talking about not making a million bucks, it's people like, well, you know these corporations, these big properties, like they're. I mean, how do you compete against them? I'm like, well, those corporations have thousands and thousands of dollars to throw tons right. and tons of marketing. And that makes a huge difference. I mean, you can take like ideas that I, you know, I think like, Oh, this idea is stupid, but don't make it sell. Cause it'll constantly put it in your face. So people are used to it. Right. Most kind of artists like me don't have that ability. So right. yeah, you just got to keep, and hopefully, you know, you just keep making like with my book, I just keep making it and try to promote it the best I can. But it's, I mean, it's especially with the internet now, because Again, everybody can post their stuff. So it's just like just the amount of stuff that even through my Facebook feed that I see of comics. Mm-hmm. Like I understand why people, you know, that oh that's cool. Oh, what's this? Oh, and then they're distracted immediately. Yeah. How do you get right. them to hold that attention to want to go into that and see that more? Some people say it's the personality of the artist. I'm like, yeah, but if the art's got to be able to do that too, because you're not always yeah. going to be around to be like, I'm a nice guy, and you should probably, you know. So <laughs> right. I mean, it's got it's got to be something there. So. Yeah, I, I think that's where the conventions come in. Yeah, you know, you, you, that's that's where you that's where you've got to have that welcoming personality at a convention. Because I can't tell you, you know, the number of times I've been to conventions and walk around and I see some artwork and I oh that looks interesting and I kind of go over you know navigate my way over towards the table and they never look up. Yeah, and they never they never greet you. They don't say hey. They don't say go away. They don't say anything. They just never look up. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, we don't have to become best friends. But yeah. acknowledge me, you know, say good morning, say, I like your Arkansas Razorback t-shirt, right? Say, you know, uh, uh, hook em horns, where if the rest of you don't know Arkansas and Texas are, uh, hook em horns is Texas and Arkansas and Texas are rivals, probably more in Arkansas's mind than Texas. But anyway, you know, <laughs> say something, you know? Yeah, and, I actually... And- yeah, when I'm at conventions, I actually stand for most of it. I don't sit. And I don't draw a lot of people. Like, why don't you draw stuff? People, there is say people want to come over. And I'm like, because people walk by. It, I'm, I'm usually standing, so I'm eye yeah. level. So I make yeah. eye contact so I can see them. Because I'm there for the two days to sell my book. I'll draw when I get home. Yeah, and I don't people work at like, conventions. I don't either. I'm, I'm there to sell, not to work. So yeah. unless there's somebody next to me who's the ultimate salesman, and I can draw and they can sell, but that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, we'll, we'll get you to uh, we'll get you to convention with Silverline. John Medic is a salesman and a half. Uh, and I, just, I, I, just... I, I spend my time. I spend my entire time talking too. So um, yeah. Oh, no, I can't see that at all. <laughs> yeah. Strange enough, I enjoy Brett, it. now is I, not the time for you to chime in. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, love meeting people and uh, meeting my customers. I, I tell people uh, when I've gotten, when I, cause I do kids' books too, and and uh, some of the stuff I've gotten, just I had this one uh, little boy send me a picture that he got, he cosplays my character for his classroom. Just oh, that's very blue. cool. And that was like, I said, like, that's why I told online, I'm like, this is why I make this stuff. Yeah. And now this little kid gets it, you know, he's so into my characters. It's like, that's it. If, even if one person does that, that's worth all the effort to me that I put into my stuff. So what you just said reminded me of another thing that comics has taught me is that when I first got in, I was extremely shy mm-hmm. and I still am to a certain extent, but you can't hide if you're going to make comics. And you can't you can't um, sit in your studio and just churn it out without expecting to put some no face to the name. You can't. First, do that. yeah, the first convention I went to, I went I went straight for the big dog. I went for San Diego Comic Con with with a portfolio that was completely inappropriate. <laughs> but I, you know, I had to really force myself to go out and meet people and look them in the eye and shake their hands and, and ask them to look at my work. And then I, I could do that for like a couple hours. And then I had to go, go back to my, my hotel room and have a panic attack. And then I do it all over again. And I did yeah. this for four days and multiple panic attacks because it was horrible. Yeah. But the next year I went and did it again. And it became easier as you learned how yeah. to do it. And I still, yeah. it does still doesn't come naturally to me. Yeah. But being in comics has forced me to, to come out of my shell. Yeah. Uh, has forced me to uh, talk to people, to interact, to have an actual conversation, you know, because otherwise I just, I would just hold up in my studio 24 seven and never come out. (laughs) But it it has really allowed me to um, blossom, you know, and be able to, I still am not a great public speaker, but I'm certainly better than when I started. So in that respect, I have grown a lot. That's yeah. That was the conventions. I actually started going to the meetups on the the online meetups uh, around here and doing the same thing, but continuously forcing myself into public situations so I can get used to speaking to people and be more, you know. And now it doesn't bother me as much. Uh, I used to be the guy like I would never go to a party or never speak in public, and now I'm like, oh, I'll go to a get together, sure, whatever. It, it, mm-hmm. It's and, con- and, and conventions have become the easiest because at least the convention I know there's something in common. We right. both like comics, you know. So, well, you know, and it is true that so so one of the frustrating things for for creators is often is like, look, I don't want to have to I don't want to have to schmooze. I don't want to have to network. I just want to. Here's my work. You like it. Hire me. Right. Let's do some stuff. But unfortunately, that's not the way the world works. Uh, And, 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 you know, people want to work with people that they know and like. And and I just I'll use Silverline as an example. Right. So the way this kind of happened, right, once the, the germ sort of after cat and mouse, number one, once the germ sort of got, let's do, let's do Silverline, I reached out to people that I, I, I knew and liked. I reached out to Curtis, right? I've had a, a long 
you know, a, a history with Curtis. I, I know Curtis. I like Curtis. I He's the kind of person I want to be around. John Medic. I did the same thing with John Medic, right? I reached out to uh, another friend of mine who's a writer who's not writing with us anymore, but worked with him for a long time. I, I, I reached out to the people that I knew first and that I like and I enjoyed working with. I reached out to RA. I said, hey, RA, you know, we're doing this thing. You want to do, you know, you, you got an interest in it. And from there, it just kind of, it kind of grew, but I didn't just say, Hey, anybody want to come do stuff? Like, no, absolutely not. I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it that way. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Eric Dotson said, I learned that comics are meant to be read and enjoyed, uh, enjoyed. Some of them may turn out to be valuable, but the true value is the product and the team involved. Yeah. Uh, Amen. Amen. Yeah. You know, yeah. Roland and I were talking this week kind of, you know, off air about, you know, team and, you know, of course, we always talking back to the novel. Basically, we were talking about yeah. our, our silver team and how everybody gets along, you know. And I was I was just thinking this week, you know, you know, as time passes, you know, um, you start to realize more stuff. And it's like there's always these moments in your life where you look back and you go, oh, there was like lightning in the bottle. In this moment, it's like it's like a sports team. A sports team will have a certain era where just yeah. the right amount of people and everything revived more. Yeah. And usually – the people involved don't realize that until after that time passed, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and that's obviously I'm, I'm a pretty sentimental guy, but it's like, you know, what we have going on right now is pretty cool because pretty much everybody gets along. We have a lot of momentum, a lot of good energy going on right now. And it, it, it yeah, but, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, I do. You don't, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't know, you don't know until after it's gone. So it's important yeah. that, you know, you recognize those moments where it's like, there's something special because it, it usually only lasts five years, five years, things change a little bit, you know, yeah, oh yeah. And, and team members go somewhere else, nothing happens. So when you realize that it's like, that's the best yeah. time to do it. Cool. That's actually a really good point, Kurt, because that's what I was telling Ron. Yeah. We had talked. The reason why I wanted to work at Silverline was because of the atmosphere and the way everybody got along. Oh, yeah. Cool. I, mean, really I just, I, I just, I just wanted to go to a publisher that, you know, had the same beliefs and stuff that I did and just mm. work there. I'm yeah, glad. well, great. yeah, me too. I, I, I'm super glad. I, well, you know, I, and I know Pete and uh, Delia can can attest to this. You know, because I didn't know either one of them when this. Well, you as well, Wubba. But you know, my my quote unquote my sales pitch is really: Look, I love comics. I like to make comics. If you like to make comics too, then we're probably for you. If you're if you're in it to make lots of money. Silverline might not be the place for you, but you know, not that we well, don't want to make. Roland. Roland, you said right. you were going to make me rich. <laughs> you said, "Come with me, kid. You're going to be rich." I said, "Okay." Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all here because we love it. Yeah, we love the game. I fully realize that, particularly the Cubies, they skew younger. So I, I know that there's, and none of them have told me this. So I'm just I'm reading between the lines. I've fully get that silver line is the first step for them on their stepping way to point. no uh, yeah it's a stepping off point and I, I i'm okay with that someone said something well what aren't you going to be upset if they leave it's like but why i was oh. able you know I, we're able to make some good and fun stuff as long as that that you know when that happens they don't look back and say oh i hated that place it was terrible no because i don't well number one i don't think that's going to be the case but when they can look back and say hey that was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. There were some good people. Now look at me. I'm drawing Spider-Man. Well, I'm going to feel like mom, you know, sending my kids <laughs> off. Right. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, Roland's the dad. I'm the mom. You know. <laughs> <laughs> For me, uh, what about the one of the things that you were saying? That is so important. So important to me that that's what Silverline maintains. It maintains an atmosphere of, look, this is this. These are comic books. They're supposed to be fun. They're not supposed to, you know, they're not supposed to be angry. You know, let's let's have fun. Let's tell some good stories. Let's entertain some people. So it makes my heart happy to hear you say that, Wubba, that that's the reason that you, one of the reasons that you wanted to to, to make Silverline your, your home for now. I so. like it because it's got a laid back style, which, which really, really mi- mixes well with my uh, retirement. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, I would not yeah. go back to DC and Marvel now. Cause I don't want to do, um, you know, the pressure. Oh my God, the pressure when, when yeah. I worked for them, I was, it was intense, you know, and I worked seven days a week and I 12, 16 hours a day all mm-hmm. year long. Now it's, it's just, it's so relaxing to be able to work with people that are, more relaxed, laid back. Yep. We're all happy. We have fun. We have fun doing what we're doing. Yep. Yep. Well, so DC... why do you have me here then, Roland? <laughs> yeah. you, you know, everybody needs security. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I moved to Florida in 2011. And from 2011, now it's been about two years. DC's offered me a position three different times. And really? Yeah. Nice, and, nice. and the problem was, is like, I no, that's just not enough money to go and do what you're wanting me to do. It's like, I, I, I get it. I'm so thankful that you, you feel this way, you know, and I'm honored that, that you would, you would do this, but no, that's not what I want. It's not what I want to do. I don't want to go and be someone's corporate butt boy again. You know, it's just, just not what I wanted to do. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm extremely extremely thankful for it, but I I'd rather I'd rather do what I'm doing. I totally get what you're saying. It's like when I when I walked around away from the video game industry, and we were talking about people just want to be around people that they like. Yeah, I, I've always wanted to work for EA, you know, back mm. before <laughs> what they're known for now. But but <laughs> I um I I went ahead and I uh I went for an EA interview sports. there. Yeah, and I went into the office, and it was my art director was competing for the same job as me, and um. I knew I didn't want to go back into the corporate world, but I was there for the interview and I walked in. And so I was just, I was just cool. It's cool to me. I just started talking to the art director and I said, he's looking at my work. I said, Hey, can I look at your artwork? So he goes, yeah. And then I was like interviewing the art director at EA. I was like, well, what were you trying to do here? And that's cool. And he's like, Hey, you want a beer? I'm like, yeah, let's have a beer. We hung out in his office while my former art director is outside in the lobby. And, <laughs> and then I, I walked out like, like a half hour later and my, my former art director was like, was stressed out. He's like, why were you in there for that long? And then they offered me the job. But like you, I didn't want to go back into that corporate life, you know? Yeah. And then they, they thought I was playing hard to get. They, they raised the salary. <laughs> and, uh. and, 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 and so that, then I was like, that was the moment. It's okay if I turn, it's like the really hot girl in high school you've been trying to date. You know, if you turn her down, you're not going to get a second chance. Or I knew that. That <laughs> was right. it. But, but yeah, there, there comes that time where you 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 love the art. Yeah. The business is something different. If you can right. make the two happen, that's great. Yes. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. really happen. You know? Th- that's the one thing I learned being. I, I didn't work super corporate, but I've been in, in in school and stuff. I've always been one of these. Like I love the art. I love creativity. And I learned really quick because I was like, oh, maybe I could be a concept artist. And then I was like, yeah, but they're just going to have you draw variations of 
one person said, like, you know, the Sulaco from Aliens. Like, they're just going to have you drop variations of the same ship. Like, I started realizing when I go in the concept, I was like, is there any creativity? No, not really. They just want you to look at what, what this sold before, make a variation on this, yeah. sell it again. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's that's stupid. And, uh, I, and I've always been one of these people, and <laughs> I don't mean this movie, I do mean it to be mean. Uh that I've never seen people make something so generic so fast, unless you're in a corporation. It'll take a really cool idea within three steps. It's like, yeah, now it looks like everything else. Go with that. And I'm like, all right. And I, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, how many ideas get squished down? Well, I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you what I learned. And this is, so you got to listen real, real closely. Okay. So, so people ask, often ask me that, you know, what was the difference between when Malibu, when you worked for Malibu and when when Marvel became the editor, when Marvel became the owner, and I tell them this, I say, well, here, here's the difference. Okay, as an editor, if you bring me the idea, an idea for a book, and I'm like, oh, I love this book. Let's take it. Let's see what we can do. Uh, I could take it to the the owners at at uh, Malibu, which would of course have been Scott and Dave and Chris and Tom. Okay, I could have taken it to them and made a pitch. Their question would have been this. Okay, now here's where you got to l- l- listen closely. Their question would have been. Can we make money? And if the answer was yes, then that's it. Yep, didn't do it, right? If so, they would have done it, right? When Marvel became the owner, same scenario, you go and you ask them, the question became, how much money can we make? All right? It sounds, it sounds almost exactly like, but it's not. For Malibu, it was, can we make money? And for Marvel, it was, how much money can we make? Because there there was a point for Marvel, well, that, well, that's not enough money. We need to make more money than that, and that's not worth us doing. That That's not something that I knew until, you know, I existed in the belly of the beast. Yeah. They're you know? looking at actual, like, end goals instead of, like, do you think we just could make money at all on this, on this idea, whatever? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's 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 such a different climate because I look at now. I mean, are you looking at? I use movies as an example. You know, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Aliens, Predator, very unique movies. And I've I've thought looking at the current climate of so much corporate controlled media that would you be able to make unique ideas like that again? It's very rare. Mm-hmm. And maybe the eighties and the seventies with that era of boom with all these because we've been. I mean, we've been kind of milking, you know, especially Star Wars, milking that for years. But, you know, there's somebody that makes such unique, you know, like Ninja Turtles. If you took Ninja Turtles to, like, any Marvel DC, they would just say, get out of here. What the hell? <laughs> you know, but look at it. Yeah. So that, and that's the thing that I find almost sometimes kind of, you know, yeah, you, these ideas sometimes are weird. And you sometimes take a chance. But, man, if the, if the chance works out, if lightning strikes, I mean, holy yeah. shit, it goes from like zero to 60. I mean, it just it's huge. And, uh, but if so many people constantly looking at what is, well, this made money before. So we're looking at what came before. See if this will make money. I just always think like, yeah, but how many ideas are you passing over that could have just exploded and, you, and you're not looking at it that way because you're like, new. yeah, that's not like A and B. So that's not going to make money. We're going to pass it by. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and you know, one thing I wanted to say earlier when Barb was talking about staying up late to do, uh, to do the work to do the inking to do yeah. what you want you know I, I as a as a sports fan I, I have a tendency to fall back on sports analogies uh, a mm-hmm. lot and of course I coached both of my kids 
in, uh, in little league ball, you know, I coached my daughter in softball until she joined the high school team. And then I coached my, my son in baseball until he, you know, quit playing baseball and joined the band. But, you know, one of the things that, that I'm sure you guys have heard, you, if you didn't participate in uh, sports, you've at least seen the movies. You know, one of the things that coaches always ask the players when it comes to, you know, practicing and that, that kind of thing is how bad do you want it? Mm-hmm. And that really is, I think, something that, that you have to ask yourself when you're when you're trying to make these comics is, is how bad do you want it? And I tell people, you know, Jimmy Palmiotti, uh, you know, you, you guys probably all uh, know who Jimmy Palmiotti, great guy, mm-hmm. one of the nicest guys in, in, in comics, took me to my very first ever Marvel party. And, and he only had known me for like two days. I've heard Jimmy say that, that uh, you know, over and over that he's not the best inker, he's not the best writer, but he's the hardest working one. Yeah, I don't know if that's true or not, because, you know, I know a lot of people who work pretty hard, but I do know that that for me, for me personally, is, you know, I had to make those conscious decisions when, you know, when I was in college, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so I went to school, I worked a job. And then when I came home, instead of going out to party with my friends, which, which a lot of my friends were going out to party, not that I had anything against it, but they were going out to party. I was going back to my room to work on comics. I was going back to my room to work on on my writing. You know, I actually met Stephen Stephen Butler and Mitch Bird while I was in college, and we got our we got our comic moving when I was a, a junior in college. So we were working on making that happen, and so it was pretty quick after I graduated that we made it happen. But that's only because I did not spend every you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night out in the bars that, you know, all my, my, all my buddies were doing, I was spending that time, you know, I had a job uh, while I was in college, but I was also, I was spending that time working on comics and, and people ask, I'm like, well, the, the only reason I did that is because I really, 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 really wanted to make that happen. I really wanted it. And so it was what I was willing to do. And now I was dating BJ back then. Uh, we we were not married yet. We are married now, but we weren't. the 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 beauty of it is, she was supportive of that. You know, she was like, "Yes, I understand. This is what you want to do. I support this. Let's make sure you know we at least have a date night like every other week." And so we would go and have a you know a date night and do stuff. I don't remember the the, the frequency, but I know that we didn't go out every single every single night, but we, you know, we made sure, I made sure that we spent time. She made sure that we did too, right? But she supported, that she supported me staying at home or in the dorm, in my apartment, working hard because she knew that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I was very, very fortunate to have um, a husband who was willing to play Mr. Mom. And I mean, there was a lot of times I only got two hours of sleep a night because I, I had a hard time turning down projects. So I would be mm. working on two or three books a month and doing covers and trading cards as well, because I, I wanted it that bad. I was very driven. Yeah. I worked seven days a week. I rarely ever took a break. And I, and the minimum I worked was, was 10 hours. So usually 16 yeah. every day. And that goes back to how bad do you want it? And yeah. you've got to be, you've got to be willing to, and, and I see, of course, you know, because I teach, at the university, I teach a lot of uh, young creators. Uh, I, I see a lot of them come through. They talk a good talk, but then when I hear them, it's like, "Well, what did you do this week?" Well, I spent, you know, you know, 
40 hours playing this brand new game and I went and saw, I binge watched all these, you know, 13 new Netflix shows. And I'm like, did you spend any time doing this thing that you say that you really want to do? Oh no, I didn't, I didn't read anything. I didn't write anything. Okay. You know what that tells me? That tells me you don't really want it. You want to, you want to call yourself a writer, but you don't really want to put in the time and effort that is required to be a writer. And And that's something else that comics will teach you. Discipline. Yeah, uh, and and the thing too is 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 you you don't know what that line is where you're going to get it, right? right. It's going to come on its own. It's like you know, I, of course, me, you know, not just art, but the martial arts thing. There was a a sequence, the final sequence of movements that my teacher, my my people, I was trying to get from him. He taught all my classmates who had been there for a shorter time than me, and I would drive up to San Francisco to try and get it from him for like five years. He didn't teach me anything. In fact, one time I, I would go up, i donate money to him. One time I went up after five years, um, I thought, every time I go up, this is when he's going to give it to him. He's going to complete the, uh, the whole system. One time I went up, he had me teach the kids' class. I could only stay one night. He said, okay. I didn't even get to practice. He said, teach the kids' class. And then when I was done, he says, have a nice trip back to L.A. from San Francisco. And um, I talked to a, another older gentleman who was in the game and he told me i asked him i said why did it finally he taught me i said why did it take so long i said was it because i wasn't ready or was it because i didn't earn it yet he goes it's the same thing (laughs) (laughs) and he goes and he goes the reason why he was so hard on me is you could take it you wanted it he taught everybody else because they wouldn't stick around long enough Mm. but he knew if he pushed you you would get to that level that most people don't get to and you were willing to to take it and and it's that thing but you you can't put the expectation of when that goal is going to hit, right? That's yeah. That's that's the folly, and 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 youth is and, and time is the currency you pay. Yeah, right. <laughs> really. And you, yeah, and you have less currency as you get older. You know. A lot of people don't understand this too. Is that is that comics is a business. Yeah. Um, you, I again, you know, I did this for over a, twelve years, and I never missed a deadline, the entire twelve years, and. Because of that, because I was I was wanted to be professional, it was my business. Um, it taught me to be disciplined. It taught me to make a schedule. Uh, it taught me that I couldn't procrastinate. Um, I couldn't say, "Oh my God, I just don't feel like making art today." I didn't have that luxury, <laughs> you know. I didn't have that yeah. luxury. I, you have to teach yourself to be disciplined, and that's a huge, huge lesson to learn. Yeah, yeah, me and my friend Juan, who also makes comics, he, uh, we've talked like the difference of people making it in this is they enjoy the grind, and, and the grind is the number one difference that's going to cut a break. People, if you don't enjoy actually making the book, yeah, don't even bother attempting it, right? Because the yeah. grind is what's going to wear you down to like this is it's like, and the people are like yeah, but you're going to get a lot out of it. Maybe, maybe self satisfaction, <laughs> you know, in the end. Well, but yeah, it's really the grind. Goes- yeah, and this goes back to what I was saying, you know, about fun. Why this is an important thing to, uh, for me. Yeah. You know, when I talk to folks, Silverline has to be fun. You got to have fun doing what you're doing because if you're not having fun doing this, you might as well go do something else. Right. You know, you, you might as well go shoot pool. Um, you know, go go play a video game. Uh, make make sure you're having fun. Yeah, uh, I paid my dues. Now I'm having fun. Yeah. Uh, Mighty Travisor says what. Uh, markers, pens, champ using uh, Pete. What what are you using there? You're not using a marker or a pen. Using a pencil, right? Uh, what, what kind of pencil are you using? Right. So I've got a mechanical. Can you see this? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a mechanical two H pencil, 
and then I've got an actual 2H pen. So I like 2H, it's the right sort of hardness and lightness. Yeah, that's all I've got on my table at the moment, other than erasers, electric erasers. Yeah, that's all I need okay. for today. So so 2H lead, now uh, I, I don't, I'm not a lead expert, so 2H, that's a darker lead, right? Uh, it's a harder Harder, yeah. Okay. yeah, so the, the closer you get to B, the, the darker it gets, but then okay. it gets really soft and smudgy. 2H is nice and clean, and it erases easy. Yeah. Cool. So the, the best way I always thought it is, if you go down to the B, the lead's softer, so you put more lead on the paper yeah. per stroke. So you get up to the H's, that's hardness. You're not putting as much lead on it, so it makes a lighter line. That's ah. usually the best way of thinking. Cool. And HB is basically a number two pencil, the sweet spot right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Never do that. Cool. I'm not sure any of us will know this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Pete Hammerich uh, Jr. says, "What's the New Mutants '98 reprint CGC 9.8 worth?" Anybody have any idea? New Mutants. Yeah, '98. Yeah. Uh, he says he just got one for forty bucks. I I have no clue. Don't what, be laughing, Curtis. Is, I don't know. Is '98 the first appearance of someone? '98 is uh, Rob's first book, isn't it? Oh, is it? I think. Uh, I think. It's, I think it's Rob's first book. Then yeah, it could be worth a bit of money if it's CGC. Uh, then yeah. Well, it also says it's a reprint, so. Oh, then it's worth five um, bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have no idea. It's CGC, <laughs> so it's worth forty bucks. I think the most the most <laughs> yeah. I tell people is uh, it's worth is how much somebody's willing to pay. It's you worth for what it. you paid for it. Yeah, yeah. If somebody's you know, willing to offer you five hundred, that's yeah. how much it's worth. Less, he, more, whatever. He said he got one for forty bucks, so I would say it's worth forty bucks right, right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. As as happens, uh, our clock has gotten away from us. Time flies when you're having fun. Anybody have anything you want to uh, add? Uh, anything that you learned from comics that you didn't get a chance to say? Get it in com- writing. Yeah, getting in writing. Yeah, that's good advice. That's good advice for anything. John, you're still uh, you're still muted. I see yeah, your mouth can't moving. Hear you. Yeah, but, but I can't hear you. Sorry, John. We can't hear you, man. <laughs> we we see you just fine. We we see your mouth moving, but we can't hear anything. It was probably about to reveal secrets of the universe, and now we'll just <laughs> yeah. never know. That help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I can, hear you. can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, you coming through? You hear me now? Yes, yeah. yes. All right. <laughs> I'm be jealous of whatever gets the ink bubble. This is freaking awesome. Yeah, it's looking good, isn't it? Yeah. So I forgot to Pete already turned off. So Pete, you were working on Champ Fury. Yeah, it should be back now. My, my uh, phone that was recording, I've got to plug it in so the battery was dying. Okay. And so that was page, uh, what page were you working on? Yeah, now I thought about this. I don't actually know the answer to this question. Um, <laughs> I've got a number of pages here that I've all roughed out. I think this is 13 or 14. Okay. It's one of the ones. So are, um, are, are you skipping around or is, does this mean... Yeah, I just um, okay. I, I printed out a load of roughs. I've been doing a load of roughs last last okay. week or two, and I just picked one up for this evening. I thought, oh, well, um, I'll do the nice splashy okay. of uh, cool. Champ and uh, Woody. Um, I think it's thirteen. It's Champ and Miss Fury. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those pages. 
Okay. <laughs> Definitely one of those pages. Uh, and what, uh, what have you been working on here? So, yeah, cover for issue five, six? Well, it, it'll be issue one. Yeah, one of a new of a new miniseries, but yeah. Okay. Well, volume. Yeah, volume. It'll be volume three at that point. Yeah. Volume three, issue one. Because, you know, ones do better than fives. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> okay, I, John. I, I would. At, at some point, I actually want to dupe one of the Mitch Bird covers. Okay, cool. That love, would be love Mitch Bird. That would be very, very cool. Yeah, there's some some nice covers there. Yeah, I, I, we'll talk covers, color ideas, and everything later. That, very cool, John. Uh, now that your microphone was working, do you were you going to say something earth shattering to us or? No, nothing earth shattering. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Well, guys, it's eleven o'clock. Uh, let's go around uh, and tell everyone where they can uh, find us online. Uh, John, we'll start with you so that uh, your mic doesn't break again. Tell everybody uh, where they can find you on the interwebs. Apparently all over the interwebs somewhere. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, everywhere. Okay. John John Vampire Martin, John Martin, John Vampire Art. Some Those words go together one way or the other and you can find me. Roland put some stuff down there that's got yep. links. So. Yeah, I will I will put all the links in the uh, description. Thank you, John. Barb, what about you? Where can folks find you on the interwebs? Um, I'm the only Barbara Kelberg. I, I show this every time, but anyway, there's how you spell it. K-A-A-L-B-E-R-G. So you can find me under Barb Kelberg on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and DeviantArt. Woohoo! And of course, you're showing off your uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, it's because it's got the nice yeah. big writing. Just y'all looks professional <laughs> and stuff. I've got a dozen no, of these sitting around. What she's doing, she's showing is like, look, everybody, I've been to San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> Curtis, what about you? Just in years. So you can find I'll me find on you. Uh, Facebook, uh, Curtis Fujita. You can also find me on Instagram through my martial arts website. It's TigerCrane805 on Instagram and YouTube. I actually have my, my personal account on Instagram, so that's Kemp5, that's K-E-M-P-F-I-V-E, and that's pretty much it. That's where you can find me. Excellent. Delia, what about you? You still standing there? Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, Instagram and Twitter, it's A underscore Delia Marie. And then on Facebook, it's Delia Marie Art. Cool. What we're working? What? Go ahead. Because the other one was taken. Delia <laughs> <laughs> Marie. Yeah. Uh, you have to hunt her down and find out. Hey. Yeah. Give me back my name. <laughs> yep. What? But what about you? Where can folks not find you on the interwebs? Literally everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no social media outside well, my personal Facebook. Well, so let me ask you a question. Your personal Facebook, do you allow connections there, follows to to show people friends can follow your a, art? Just a friends of friends. Okay. Unless I hunt you down myself. All right. Well, we'll have to work on you get some kind of Instagram account or something for some art so we can start promoting your stuff. I was thinking about opening up Instagram once we get closer to being done with. Okay. Sounds good. Pete. Oh, what about you from, from across the pond there? Where can folks find you? Oh, it's very easy. You just type in Peter Clinton Art, and it will bring up my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, that's it. So it's all the <laughs> same. And Instagram will have links to Webtoons and an Instagram comic I do that I haven't done in a while, but I will get back to it. Yeah, so it's Instagram. Just Instagram me, and you'll get connections <laughs> to everything else. All right. Excellent. Aaron, what Simple. about you? 
Where can uh, folks find you on the interwebs? You can find uh, me on Facebook. You can even find my private account. I think it's my name, Aaron Humphreys. I think so. And then I have Humphreys Illustration, which is my business. Basically, everything I post in my private, I post in Humphreys Illustration and vice versa. Uh, Instagram is ALH3810. And then I, I'm publishing my Goblins on Webtoon. Publishing issue eight right now and working on issue nine. So I post every Monday new stuff there. Yeah, I think that's all you can find me. I think so far that's all I've been at. I kind of avoid Twitter like the plague. I think yeah. I have a Twitter account, but I, I just, yeah. I'm not, I, I kind of look at it from afar and be like, no, they're still fighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't post there a lot, but I am there. Uh, it's so vicious. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I tend to do the same thing. I go there and try to like, whenever I see any of you post, I try to like it and, and retweet some of it. And then get the hell out. And then, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Uh, so I was looking to see if I could find the topic for this next week, but I don't find it right off the top of my head, so I hate that. I'm Roland Man. You can find me on uh, Facebook at Roland Man. You can find me on Twitter at Man Roland, but as just mentioned, I don't really twit that much. I am there, though, so follow me. Don't forget Silverline, all the places here uh, where we're streaming right now to uh, YouTube, to Facebook, and to Twitch. Please uh, follow us, like us, subscribe to us. Uh, and do all that other kind of stuff. Oh, actually, I do know what the subject is for next week. Have we got so, more homework? Yeah, yeah, well, possibly, maybe. Oh. Depends on how much you know about this, the topic then, right? So until <laughs> then, everyone remember to make, make mine, mine silver, silver line. line. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Night. Ciao. Thank you for listening to the Silverline Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We know we ramble sometimes, but we have fun. And after all, isn't that what comics are all about? We hope you'll follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Reddit, MeWe, Gab, and whatever new thing pops up between now and the time you listen to us. Please like, follow, share, and remember, make mine Silverline.